What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo. No Dino tonight, so we got a little two-man Ray. My friend, we got week six of the college football season. How are we feeling? Feeling good. Uh, uh, Ohio State's off their bye, get an undefeated team at home. It's always fun to watch. Um, other than that, I mean, the Red River rivalry is going to be a big game, but a little bit disappointing after the, the uh, previous two weeks, but still should be some good uh, good action. Yeah, I feel like there are a bunch of teams who have their bye week, Penn State being, being one of them too. So it'll be nice. I'll get to watch uh, a bunch of games on this slate. But yeah, you said it for Ohio State. Nice little matchup against Maryland. A uh, couple undefeated Big Ten teams. That should be a good one. We'll get into that. But the first game we're going to cover is number 23, LSU, going to number 21, Missouri, on bovadasportsbook.com. LSU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Right, talk to me about this Missouri team. They're kind of rolling right now. Um, I really like what they're doing offensively. Uh, talk to me about Missouri. Yeah, Missouri's been a little bit of a surprise team. I mean, it really, for them, it all starts with that passing attack uh, led by uh, Brady Cook, the uh, I think he's a fourth year senior, but the guy's taking a real step up this year, which is impressive. He's already he's completing seventy five percent of his passes, has almost fifteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns with no picks. Last year, I think he completed only sixty five percent of his passes and had a two to one touchdown interception ratio. So the name of his game this year is just no mistakes and just keeping the ball. And I think that's going to have to continue if they're going to get this upset this week against LSU. I mean, we know LSU as a team, very talented. They've already stumbled twice this year. So coming off a loss last week, they're going to be rearing and ready to go. Uh, but for on offense, it really is all that Brady Cook to uh, Luther Burden connection. Luther Burden is legit, man. Big uh, he's a star sophomore. He's not even draft eligible until next year. But I think he's a, the number five overall recruit. And he's just still dominating. 43 catches, 644 yards, and five touchdowns. So I think that's the matchup to watch. LSU, I'm assuming they're going to be doubling him all game and making some of these other receivers uh, really take over. And then on defense, I think Missouri does uh, match up relatively well, especially on the ground game. They're only allowing 75 yards per game. Uh, We know LSU, uh, they're kind of a very balanced offense, really uh, balanced attack, but... When you, they get into those third and longs, Jaden Daniels, and they can if they can contain him in the pocket, I think that's where they're going to be at their best. You don't want Jaden Daniels running around all over the place. Uh, keep him in the pocket. Try to force a turnover or two. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle in this game, but if they're uh, passing attack and try to keep pace with this LSU offense, I think they'll have a chance late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, this offense for LSU is really starting to hum. It's really moving. Um I was kind of surprised that they were still ranked, even with two losses. I know how good this football team is, and I know they played two tough games where I was a little surprised to, st- to still see them in the top 25, but um, this offense is no joke. I don't know if there's a player who I've done a bigger 180 on this season than Jane Daniels. He looks so much more comfortable in the pocket throwing this year. Um, looks like a completely different guy, honestly. Maybe between him and Bo Nix um, are the two biggest 180s I've had. Um, I really don't see this offense slowing down at all. I think last year, especially, they were really missing that run game, like you said, and they're much more balanced this year with Logan Diggs. He's really helped their offense in that way. Um, He's been great over 350 yards this season. I think Neighbors and Brian Thomas can get 100 on almost any secondary. I mean, they had 
637 yards of offense should be enough to win any game, but not when you give up 700 yards of, of offense. Um, so I don't have any issues with their offense going into this game. Their defense has got to be sound. Um, this pass rush needs to get going big time. They are too talented along the defensive line with Perkins, with Mason Smith, and with Makai Wingo. They got to get going. They're 85th in sacks per game right now, which is 1.8. Um, because right now, their secondary sucks even worse than their pass rush. So if you can get the pass rush going a little bit, you don't have to cover guys for as as long. Um, they're 108th in passing yards allowed right now, and they're going up against a top 15 passing offense. And like you said, Brady Cook has been outstanding this year. He doesn't have any turnovers. So if they cannot get to him and they're just going to let him stand there, like you said, Missouri's got a good shot at, at winning this game. I think uh, you have to get after him to to win this game. I don't think you can be in another shootout. I don't think you want to be in another shootout. Um but this is going to be a tough game. Five and a half is uh, a really weird line. Yeah, very strange, especially with Missouri being home. I feel like in for LSU in particular, it's going to come down for them to stopping the run because I feel like they pre- did that pretty effectively before last week, and they just got fucking gashed by Ole yep. Miss. 300-plus yards, that can't happen again. Yeah, definitely not. All right, let's move it to the second game. Red River rivalry, like you said. Holy shit, that's tongue twister. You almost got uh, no, it off pretty clean, though. Yeah, I, yeah stu- I stumbled on the rivalry part just a little bit. Um, number 12, Oklahoma going to Texas. Number three, on Bovada right now. Texas is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Ray, talk to me about this Texas team. I think right now, honestly, they're probably the most impressive team in the country thus far, and especially in terms of resume. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they've been fucking killing it, man. Both these offenses really have just been rolling. Uh, for Texas, I love how their run game is, especially with uh, Jonathan Brooks, is really getting uh, to keep some pressure off Quinn Ewers and making them a real balanced attack, similar to what LSU is. But when you got Jonathan Brooks to go along with all these talented pass catchers and Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, uh, J.T., uh, it's just it really is just too much for any defense to handle. I think what's really going to – uh, this Texas game plan going into this game, I think it's going to be running the ball effectively with Brooks and then taking those intermediate to deep shots off the play action. Uh, this, this is a cover three shell that they play. Hopefully they get them coming up a little bit. And towards that second half of the, uh, the game, they really get those big shots to Worthy in particular. He could take the top off any defense. And then on the flip side for uh, Texas' defense, they've been really stopping the run so well this year. I think that's the bread and butter of, the, of this team. Oklahoma hasn't really been running the ball that well. They they throw three or four bodies at you, but no one's running the ball too effective. I think down in the red zone, you just got to make sure you keep your eye on Gabriel. He does have four rushing touchdowns on the season, and that's leading the team. So I think they're going to want to try to contain him in the pocket when you get down to the red zone, and just hopefully those, those big, long cornerbacks and Ryan Watts uh, can get the job done on the back end. Yeah, Brent Venables has done a really nice job turning around this team after a rocky first season with them last year. Their offense was not very good last year. Gabriel was up and down. But the bread and butter, obviously, for Brent Venables has been his defense always. And that defense was pathetic last year. They were bottom in almost every category in in terms of the Big 12. That has completely flipped there on top of the conference in almost every uh, defensive category. So nice for him. Um they really haven't played anybody yet. They've had one of the softest schedules um, in terms of these top 15 teams, but they are just beating the shit 
out of these bad teams, which is what you want to see from a good team. Um, right now, they're top five uh, in the country in scoring, scoring defense, and turnover margin on offense. Dylan Gabriel has really looked seasoned, 75% completion percentage, and they have four wide receivers that he really likes to spread the ball out to. So tough to game plan for any one specific guy. Um, they all have over 200 yards this year. So um, keep spreading them out. Don't get too happy on one guy. I think that's the key for for Oklahoma. And but the key for them is is definitely on defense in, in this game. And like I said, Brent Venables has really turned it around. They have ten interceptions this year, which leads the country. And this secondary is really physical, and they have a lot of dudes: Woody Washington, Billy Bowman, Tony Walker, and Gentry Williams. Honestly, four great names, by the way. <laughs> um, Woody Washington is all time. Um, but really physical on the outside. So I think they have enough guys on the outside to match up with all these weapons that Texas had. It's just going to be, can you win those one-on-one battles? Because Worthy's going to get one-on-one shots. AD is going to get one-on-one shots. And you have to be the winner in all those scenarios because Texas will keep throwing the ball downfield if you give them one-on-one opportunities. Um, so those those guys need to be great. And we've seen Quinn Ewers, he's looked great this year. But in almost every game, he gives you an opportunity to to make a turnover. He ha- he still has some throws that are out there, so you got to capitalize, get a turnover, get the ball deep down in their zone, um, and keep letting your offense go. So this is going to be a really good game. Um, I do like Texas in this game, but um, I think this is going to be uh, kind of a shootout. Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout for uh, for the ages. I think it's going to be a really good game, really close game. Uh, Texas being home definitely makes me lean them. But you never know with this rivalry. Rivalry games, they're just unpredictable. Right. All right, let's move to the third game. It's your Ohio State Buckeyes. You got Maryland coming into town versus number four, Ohio State. on Bovada. Ohio State is a 19-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about the Buckeyes and how they start to get moving a little bit. They've looked really good the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, so they're coming off the bye week, and they're coming off of the high of all highs, winning on that last play against Notre Dame. Uh, on the road. So Kyle McCord really did show the clutch gene. A couple of passes that could have been maybe turned over, uh, picked off in that game that he kind of got lucky with, but still showed really good poise and really good accuracy driving them down the field. But for me personally, I want this offense. I still think they need to work through uh, Travion Henderson a little bit more. Uh, I said last, uh, before the Notre Dame game, that I want him to have 20-plus carries. He only had 14. That's just not enough. This guy is, has game-breaking speed. He puts pressure on the defense. And when he gets out wide, he, he's gone, dude. Yeah, I think, yeah, keep giving him some outside zone handoffs and let him uh, just, just absolutely gash the defenses. I think it's just going to open up so much more for Kyle McCord in this passing game, too. They still have the dudes at receiver. I mean, Marvin Harrison, he's a little banged up right now with that ankle. But he'll be fine. Emeka Adbuka, he's fucking balled out against Notre Dame. And then even Julian Fleming is getting some looks. So I think if they can really just be a run first and then pass off the run, similar to what I was saying about Texas, especially in play action, I think their offense is going to be a lot more dynamic. And then on defense, I mean, it's so hard to be upset with this defense. They have played fucking outstanding, especially against Notre Dame. What I'm looking for, I, I just want more splash plays. I want more splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. We only have five sacks on the year. And they have two guys who I thought would be borderline first-round talents, and maybe even three if you consider Mike Hall. And none of those guys have really performed like you think they would. A lot of pressures, but no sack production. That needs to change against uh, Talia, right? Talia, how do you pronounce it? Talia. Talia. 
uh, this week. I think they need to beat pressure him all day long. I really want to see uh, Sawyer and JT uh, put him put him in the dirt because I think JT Tumolo had a big game against Maryland last year, if I remember correctly. And then also interceptions are just turnovers in general too. I think they only have five turnovers as well. I want to see. I think if they can get more of those splash plays, some sacks behind line of scrimmage, some turnovers, it'll take this great defensive year into an elite defensive year. And I think, especially when you get closer to the playoffs and just to the game, and against even Penn State, you're going to need some turnovers. You can't. You know, okay, this offense is not as high powered as it once been. You got to get them in more possessions. Yeah, um, for Maryland, this game is going to be decided in the trenches for Mar- for Maryland, and honestly. I think Maryland matches up in the trenches wise really well against Ohio state. Their offensive line has been really good and they are nasty and physical. They're top 30 right now in pass blocking rate um, on PFF and they're top five in sacks allowed, which is three this season. Um, Like you said, Ohio state only has five sacks all year. So if they can extend drives and not take sacks, not get forced into third and long situations, um, and then convert on third downs, which they've been great this year. They've converted almost 50% of their third downs, their top 20. Um, Toledo's looked great this year, and I think they can keep this game close with their offense. They have six receivers right now who are contributing on a game-to-game basis. They've In five games, they've had four different guys lead the team in receiving. So another team like uh, Oklahoma, like I was saying, tough to game plan when you have so many dudes that you can rotate in. Um, and then on defense, this defensive line has been really good too. And for Ohio State, we thought that this would be a great offensive line. It's been okay. I think it's been steadily improving. Um, but this team right now is top 35 in sacks. And these corners are another bunch that are big and physical, and they have to be physical with Marvin Harrison and Mecca Abuka. Uh, Jaquan Shepard and Tareeb Steele, big time, 6'1", 6'2", long physical corners. They forced 12 turnovers in the last four games for that Maryland defense. So if they can get some key takeaways, because like you said, McCord, he only has one interception, right? But he has made some throws that uh, are a little questionable. If Maryland can capitalize on those, they can keep this game close and a very tough place to play. Yeah, I think I I do think Ohio State ends up coming out with the uh a win with more than two possessions. I think they probably even cover that minus 19 and a half, but I do want to see this offense actually go off like a like the Buckeye offense of the past against a, a not a ranked team but a, a worthy adversary. Right. All right, let's get to our last game. We got number 20 Kentucky going to Athens, Georgia, still number 1 in the country. They snuck away with a a little win last week against Auburn. Had me sweating out uh, a teaser. Currently, Georgia is a 14.5-point favorite on Bovada. Ray, talk to me about the Georgia Bulldogs and how they keep it rolling as the number one team in the country. Yeah, I mean, this Georgia Georgia team hasn't looked like the Georgia teams of the past two years. They haven't looked like uh, just killers. I mean, two close games against not the top of the top of the SEC in South Carolina and Auburn, so... I think this offense is is kind of struggling right now just because they run entirely through Brock Bowers. Uh, their run game really hasn't been uh, as effective as they have been in the past, and they're only averaging four point four yards. Yeah, per they're, carry. they're a little they're really banged up in the running back room. Yeah, so I'm curious to see someone else is going to need to step up for this offense to really reach its full potential. I think Lad McConkey came back a little bit last week, played a limited role, but. Mm-hmm. He should that role should extend this week. I think that will really help Carson Beck in this offense. Uh, and I, like I said, I think 
this is not the matchup that they're looking for to get this running game going. But as the year goes on, they need to figure out a way because 4.4 yards per carry is not going to cut it, especially with this just this Georgia offense. It just relies on uh, being able to run the ball efficiently. And then on defense, I do think that this is where they match up really well against Kentucky. Uh, Devin Leary was erratic as all hell last week. His accuracy is not not good at all. He is... He is, and that's what that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be an efficient distributor of the football, and he just did not look like that last week. So on defense, I think it's all going to come down to stopping Ray Davis, who just was a fucking animal against Florida. Luckily uh, for Georgia, their defense is made to stop the run. They haven't been as efficient as they have been in the past. They've been allowing over 100 yards for uh, a game, I think 113 yards a game. But against Auburn last week, that was mainly Peyton Thorne doing the running. I don't think that's going to really be the case this week with Devin Leary. So I think you stop Ray Davis, get them behind the sticks and force Devin Leary to throw. I think there's going to be turnovers for days. I think he's going to have multiple interceptions this game. Look out for uh, Malachi Starks and Javon Buller to have big games in the secondary. Yeah. Like you said, this Kentucky offense really runs through Ray Davis. He's been outstanding um, this whole season. And, And last week he was unbelievable. They are going to face so many loaded boxes in this game. They are going to force Leary to throw and make throws to the intermediate and deep parts of the field. And he's got to hit on some of them. This Kentucky offense has some really talented players. Uh, Barry and Brown hasn't really gotten going, but he's a really talented player. Tavion Robinson, another really good wide receiver. Um, you need to give those guys chances to go make plays. This Georgia secondary, while they have a lot of names, they've been exploited in the past few weeks. Um, you can definitely throw on them on in one-on-one situations, especially when you have these type of guys. Um, this game is going to come down to Leary making those making those big-time throws um, towards the intermediate field, towards the outside parts of the field in one-on-one situations. I think they do need to establish Ray Davis early, try to set up some play-action shots early, I think you have to take a shot maybe on the first play of the game for Kentucky. It's going to be an eight, nine-man box the first play of the game. You have to go take a shot, and you have to win one-on-one possessions. Um, So I think if if they can get Ray Davis going a little bit and they can get some lighter boxes, then maybe they have a a shot because this Georgia offense, like you said, hasn't been great. Um, So if they can keep this to like a one-possession game, Maybe they can maybe they can sneak one out late. Um, defensively, it's this defense has really been the heartbeat of, of this team, um, especially stopping the run. They've been great. I think they're allowing just seventy yards per game. They held Florida to sixty nine yards last week. Um, they need to control the line of scrimmage for sure because this Georgia offensive line has not looked like the Georgia offensive lines of the past either. And then the linebackers, Trayvon Wallace and Derek Jackson, need to be rock solid against Brock Bowers. I mean, he took completely took over that game late in the fourth quarter against Auburn, um, and he's basically their entire offense, like you said. So he's going to be the focal point. They need to hold him down, and they need to make Carson Beck beat you with one-on-one coverage on the outside for some of those receivers. Lad McConkey, like you said, is coming back. That's going to help them a ton because I don't think this wide receiver room is really special in any way. Um, but this should be a good one. And uh, 14 and a half is a lot of points, even at home. Yeah, I think this – I love the under in this game, 48. I'm, I'm not sure if I have the balls to take it in a college game. It worked out for me last week. But I think this is going to be a um, an absolute just like 
slugfest. I do think they end up covering that, though. I just don't think Kentucky's offense is going to be able to do much against this Georgia defense. I, I do like your idea with Kentucky being able to pass the ball to open up the run game. I think that's how that's like their only path to victory. But Devin Leary was super inconsistent last week. I, I don't know, man. That guy, he's not the guy that we thought of going into last season. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Would you say uh, the over-under was on Bovada? I think it was 48. 48. I don't hate that. Might might uh maybe tease that a little bit, but uh I don't hate that. All right, let's uh let's get to some prospects. We skipped over that in the uh in the first section. So let's get to some prospects that we liked last week. Ray, who's your first one on your board? Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna go right into Ray Davis again just because we touched we just touched on him a little bit, but the uh 5'10, 216 pound uh fifth year senior. He was spent his first two years at Temple, transferred to Vandy for two years. This is his first year at Kentucky, and the guy's killing it. Uh last week in particular, 26 carries. 280 yards. That was almost 11 yards per carry with three touchdowns. He had that 175 yard touchdown after the uh, the penalty to extend the drive. I think it was jumping over the shield is what they called. Yeah, insane penalty. I thought Dylan was going to cry. It was hysterical. <laughs> uh, but dude, this guy, I really like the way this guy runs. He he's barely um. I don't know what versatile. I don't know if that's the correct word I'm thinking of, but the guy could run outside, make people miss. Uh, he really, I love how he gets his pad levels really low and to run through contact and always fall forward. I thought that was super impressive, but he's got acceleration to hit the home run plays too. guy forced 11 missed tackles last week. So stock up big time for Ray Davis. Nice. Like it. Uh, first one for me is another guy that you covered in the first one. It's Jonathan Brooks, another running back from Texas. Um, he did not get a ton of work, obviously, behind Bijan and Roshan Johnson, but he's been over six and a half a carry in his first three seasons. And this year, he's been really dominant, especially the after a little bit of a slow start. Um, in the last three games, he's got over 100 yards. And last week against Kansas, he had 21 carries for 218 yards and two touchdowns. He was really the focal point of the offense, and they could just con- completely control the game on the ground. He's a tough runner, but he's got silky smooth feet, man. Like he can make people miss in a phone book, and he's got good get out speed, too. Um, really nice contact balance. He doesn't go down easy with arm tackles. So um, he's not featured much in the past game, but even last week, he had a really nice one-handed grab. So want to see him get a little more involved in the pass game too. So he's a guy that uh, we're going to be looking out to come draft time. Running backs, man. I oh, wonder yeah. why I don't get paid too many of them. Oh, yeah. You can find him anywhere. You really can. It's crazy. All right. Uh, who's the second guy on your board? Uh, Howard Cross the third, the defensive tackle from Notre Dame. Uh, a little undersized. Six. He's listed at six foot, 280. But, dude, the guy, the last two weeks in particular, but last week, Guy's been playing out of his mind. He had 13 tackles, three of those solo. One sack, three and a half tackles for a loss versus Duke. He added seven pressures and eight stops in the run game. I, I just love, even for being undersized, he always has his eyes in the backfield, and he has a really good ability to stack and shed. Uh, pair that with his quickness to get around the interior offensive lineman. He can kind of do it all. I think I'm curious to see what his arm measurement is going to be. At, at the combine, I feel like that's going to really determine how high he can go. But if his if his length can match what his intangibles do, is just his IQ and just ability to uh, keep his eyes in the backfield, I think that will be a really intriguing combination, and a team will take him maybe in the third round or so. 
Nice. Like that one. Um, the last guy is a guy that we mentioned in our summer scouting. It's Dwight McLaughlin, the cornerback from Arkansas. This is a former transfer from, from LSU, um, was great at Arkansas last year, but he's kind of an underrated name. We really didn't see his name popping up too much in terms of draft stuff this offseason. But when we watched the tape, I mean, he was a top five guy for me. I think he was also a top five guy for you out of the summer scouting. He was. Um, last year, he had four interceptions, 11 pass breakups, and allowed 48% uh, reception percentage. This year, he's already got two interceptions, just picked up right where he left off. He's a long, rangy corner, 6'2", really good ball skills. He's a former wide receiver in high school, so the ball skills are refined. Has really good route recognition, especially in off coverage. Last week against Texas A&M, where they put up a ton of points. They were throwing it all over the yard. He didn't allow a single catch. Um, he's really a guy who just completely takes away the side of a field, and he's been great this year for Arkansas. So look out for Dwight McLaughlin uh, come draft time. All right, my friend, let's get to the main event. Let's get to some bets uh, before we get to week six. Let's recap week five. How do we do? Yeah, so I sprinkled the board last week. I had five one-unit bets. I went three of two, so I think it was um, .73 units I went up. So I hit on under 44 and a half in Utah, Oregon State. That that was just a lock. That game was over at halftime, that bet. It was sweet. Um, another lock over 67 in LSU Ole Miss. Did that I think that reached over a hundred, right? Uh yes. Nothing better than when an over hits in the first half. I love I that we were love. we were talking about unders too in that game during the <laughs> you know, dude. I said as after we talked about the game, like fuck, I really don't like my over bet anymore. And then I'm at the bar looking and say, okay, it already hit. Sweet. Don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Uh, and then Oregon minus 27 at Stanford. Dude, Oregon's a wagon. Uh, really wagon. curious. Really can't wait to see that Oregon-Washington matchup. Uh, and then uh, my two misses were over 63 and a half in South Carolina, Tennessee. And then Arkansas money line. They kind of just imploded in the second half. Yeah, I was on Arkansas plus seven and a half. Like you said, they just completely fell apart. They were in that game for a little while. Um, but couldn't pull it out. That was a one unit loss for me. And then I had two nice wins, uh, Maryland 13 and a half for 1.6 units. And that was a game that I said that they could win by 20 and they did. Um, and then I had a three team teaser that I actually pushed one way. So I got it moved down a little bit. Um, it was a two unit plus a hundred bet. It ended up getting moved to minus 143, but I had Penn state minus 15 and a half. And Georgia minus four and a half that covered that Georgia game was really making me sweat. Um, and Washington minus seven who pushed late on a bullshit touchdown for, for Arizona. So um, up two units. So nice to get a win there. And then Dino was down uh, like 2.3 units. He had Notre Dame minus five and a half who also got a last second blessing with Notre Dame getting that two-point conversion to put them up seven. We wouldn't have covered if they didn't get that. And then he lost uh, Utah plus three and a half. Uh, they kind of got their shit kicked in last week. Yeah, uh, I think we did have a request that we wanted someone to note that uh, Dean did bet against West Virginia and debate, may or may not have tripled down on it. So sure, he was uh, only down 0.23 units in this, but he was down a whole hell of a lot more in real life. So love that request from a fan to mention that. Love that. Shout out to the fans. We love you. All right, my friend, let's get to our week six bets. What do you got? Uh, let me see. I think I went a little lighter this week. I only took two bets. So my first is a six-point teaser. I went all home favorites. So I got Ohio State uh, minus 13 and a half versus Maryland. 
USC minus 15 and a half versus Arizona and Miami minus 14 and a half versus Georgia Tech. Uh, I think all these teams are going to cover relatively easily. The only one, maybe Miami versus Georgia Tech, it makes me sweat a little bit, but all, the other two I think are going to hit pretty well. And then that was, so that was three units to win 4.8 at plus 160. And then my last one was uh, just over 59 Washington State, UCLA. I think Washington State's going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think UCLA is going to be running the ball down Washington State's throat. I think that 59 hits relatively easy as well. So that was two units on that. Nice. So for me, uh, first one I got is Bama minus two and a half at Texas A&M. On Bovada, it's minus 110 right now. Um, I... I don't really know how to feel about this game. I just feel like this defense for Alabama is just way too good right now that they'll win by three. Um, so I have two and a half units on that. Oh, random Bama stat. Uh, they are one of three teams in Division One football who does not have a red zone passing touchdown. How absurd is that? I mean, Jalen Milrow. Uh, Air Force is one of the other teams, obviously. Uh, and then Kent State is is the third. So really, uh, really good company for, for Alabama there. Um, and then my last one, I have a six-point teaser on Bovada. I got Michigan minus 12 and a half at Minnesota. Michigan's been really good the last few weeks. Um, I think their offense is just going to be too much for Minnesota. And then I have Notre Dame at Louisville minus a half on Bovada. Two and a half units to win 2.7s minus 110. Lock that one up. Three units, baby. Oh, yeah. All right, my friend. That's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our week six college football preview. Stay with us. We got the NFL week five coming up. We got more draft talk coming up. So stay with us. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at two tackles with the number two. And you can also find us on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us. We continue this 2023, 2024 season. Ray, my friend, appreciate you.